Section 17 of Beacon Lights of History, Volume 9, European Statesman by John Lord. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by K. Hand. The Greek Revolution, Part 2. The intelligence of this disaster would have disheartened the Greeks, but for their naval successes among the islands of the archipelago. Hydra, Ipsara, and Samos equipped a flotilla which drove the Turkish fleet back to the Dardanelles with immense losses. The Greeks, having now the command of the sea, made successful incursions, and hoisted their flag at Missolonghi, which they easily fortified, it being situated in the midst of lagoons, like Venice, which large ships could not penetrate. But on the mainland they suffered severe reverses. Fifteen thousand Greeks perished at Patras, but the patriots were successful at Valtezza, where five thousand men repulsed fifteen thousand Turks, and drove them to seek shelter in the strong fortress of Tripolitza. The Greeks, avoiding action in the open field, succeeded in taking Navarino and Napoli del Malvasia, and rivaled their enemies in the atrocities they committed. They lost Athens, whose citadel they had besieged, but defeated the Turks in Thermopylae with great slaughter, which enabled them to reoccupy Athens and blockade the Acropolis. Then followed the siege of Tripolitza, in the center of the Maria, the seat of the Pasha, where the Turks were strongly entrenched. It was soon taken by Colocatronus, who commanded the Greeks. The fall of this fortress was followed by the usual massacre, in which neither age nor sex was spared. The Greek chiefs attempted to suppress the fury and cruelty of their followers, but their efforts were in vain, and their cause was stained with blood needlessly shed. Yet when one remembers the centuries during which the Turks had been slaying the men, carrying off the women to their harems, and making slaves of the children of the Greeks, there is no less to wonder at in such an access of blind fury and vengeance. Nine thousand Turks were massacred or slain in the attack. The capture of this important fortress was of immense advantage to the Greeks, who obtained great treasures and a large amount of ammunition with a valuable train of artillery. But this great success was balanced by the failure of the Greeks, under Ypsilanti, to capture Napoli de Romane, another strong fortress, defended by eight hundred guns, regarded as nearly impregnable, situated like Gibraltar on a great rock eight hundred feet high, the base of which was washed by the sea. It was a rash enterprise, but came near being successful on account of the negligence of the garrison, which numbered only fifteen hundred men. An escalade was attempted by Mavrocordatos, one of the heroic chieftains of the Greeks, but it was successfully repulsed, and the attacking generals with difficulty escaped to Argus. The Greeks also met with a reverse on the peninsula of Cassandra, near Salonica, which proved another massacre. Three thousand perished from Turkish scimitars, and ten thousand women and children were sold into slavery. Thus ended the campaign of 1821, with mutual successes and losses, disgraced on both sides by treachery and massacres, but the Greeks were sufficiently emboldened to declare their independence and form a constitution under Prince Mavrocordatos as president, a Chian by birth, who had been physician to the Sultan. The seat of government was fixed at Corinth, whose fortress had been recovered from the Turks. Seven hundred thousand people threw down the gauntlet to twenty-five millions, and defied their power. The following year the Greek cause indirectly suffered a great blow by the capture and death of Ali Pasha. This ambitious and daring rebel, from humble origin, had arisen by energy, ability, and fraud to a high command under the Sultan. 
he became pasha of thessaly and having accumulated great riches by extortion and oppression he bought the pashalik of janina in one of the richest and most beautiful valleys of epirus in the centre of a lake he built an impregnable fortress collected a large body of albanian troops and soon became master of the whole province he preserved an apparent neutrality between the sultan and the rebellious greeks whom however he secretly encouraged in his castle at janina he meditated extensive conquests and independence of the port at one time he had eighty thousand half-disciplined albanians under his command the sultan at last suspecting his treachery summoned him to constantinople and on his refusal to appear denounced him as a rebel and sent chorjid pasha one of his ablest generals with forty thousand troops to subdue him this was no easy task and for two years before the greek revolution broke out ali had maintained his independence at last he found himself besieged in his island castle impregnable against assault but short of provisions from this retreat he was decoyed by consummate art to the mainland to meet the turkish general who promised an important command and a high rank in the turkish service in the power now of the turks he was at once beheaded and his head sent to constantinople ali's death set free the large army of chorjid pasha to be employed against the greeks aided too by the enthusiasm which the suppression of a dangerous enemy created the sultan made great preparations for a renewed attack on the maria the contest now assumed greater proportions and the reconquest of greece seemed extremely probable sixty thousand turks under the command of the ablest general of the sultan prepared to invade the maria in addition a powerful squadron with eight thousand troops sailed from the dardanelles to reinforce the turkish fortresses and furnish provisions in the meantime the insurrection extended to chios or Sio, an opulent and fertile island opposite smyrna it had eighty thousand inhabitants who drove the turks to their citadel the sultan enraged at the loss of this prosperous island sent thirty thousand fanatical asiatic mussulmans and a fleet consisting of six ships of the line ten frigates and twelve brigs to reconquer what was regarded as the garden of the archipelago resistance was impossible against such an overwhelming array of forces who massacred nearly the whole of the male population and sold their wives and children as slaves the consuls of france and austria remonstrated against this unheard-of cruelty but nothing could appease the fanatical fury of the conquerors the massacre has no parallel in history since the storming of syracuse or the sack of baghdad not only were the inhabitants swept away but the churches the fine villas the scattered houses and the villages were burned to the ground when the slaughter ceased it was found that twenty-five thousand men had been slain and forty-five thousand women and children had become slaves to glut the markets of constantinople and egypt while fifteen thousand had fled to the mainland this great calamity however was partially avenged by the sailors and chiefs of hydra a neighboring island under the command of one of the greatest heroes that the war produced the intrepid and fearless andreas mialuis who with fire ships destroyed nearly the whole of the turkish fleet he was aided by constantine canaris and george pepinus equal to him in courage who succeeded in grappling the ships of the enemy and setting them on fire the turks with the remnant of their magnificent fleet took refuge in the harbor of mytilene while the victors returned in triumph to Ipsara and became the masters of the archipelago the greek operations were not so fortunate at first on the land as they were on the sea mavrocodatos led in person an expedition into epirus but he was no general and failed disastrously even the brave marco bazarus was unable to cut his way to the relief of his countrymen shut up in their fortresses 
without an adequate supply of provisions and all that the greeks could do in their great discouragement was to supply missilonagi with provisions and a few defenders in anticipation of a siege epirus was now fallen and nothing remained but a guerrilla warfare indeed a striking feature of the whole revolution was the absence of any one great leader to concentrate the greek forces and utilize the splendid heroism of the people and chieftains in permanent strategic successes the war was a succession of sporadic fights successes and failures with small apparent mutual relations and effects in macedonia which had joined the insurrection there were six thousand brave mountaineers in arms but they had to contend with fifteen thousand regular troops under the command of the pashas of salonica and thessaly who forced the passes of the vale of tempe and slew all before them Chorjid pasha having his rear provided for with thirty thousand men now passed through the defile of thermopylae appeared before corinth took its citadel advanced to argus dispersed the government which had established itself there and then pursued his victorious career to napoli di romani whose garrison he reinforced but the summer sun dried up the surrounding plains there was nothing left on which his cavalry could feed or his men either and he found himself in a perilous position in the midst of victory the defeated greeks now rallied under ypsilanti and colocatronus who raised the siege of corinth and advanced against their foes with twelve thousand men the turkish army decimated and in fear of starvation resolved to cut their way through the guarded defiles and is succeeded only by the loss of seven thousand men with all their baggage and military stores the moria was delivered from the oppressor and the turkish army of thirty thousand was destroyed chorjid pasha was soon after seized with dysentery brought about by fatigue and anxiety to which he succumbed and the ablest general yet sent against the greeks failed disastrously to the joy of the nation this great success was followed by others the acropolis of athens capitulated to the victorious greeks not without the usual atrocities and attica was recovered but the mountains of epirus were still filled with turkish troops who advanced to lay siege to missolonghi defended by a small garrison of four hundred men under marco bazarus mavrocodatos contrived to come to his relief and the town soon had three thousand defenders six times did the turks attempt an assault under omar vrion but each time they were repulsed with great slaughter and compelled to retreat the turkish general lost three-quarters of his army and with difficulty escaped himself in an open boat altogether twelve thousand turks perished in this disastrous siege with the loss of their artillery as the insurrection had now assumed formidable proportions in cyprus and candia a general appeal was made to mussulmans of those islands whose numbers greatly exceeded the rebels twenty-five thousand men rallied around the standards of the moslems but they were driven into their fortresses leaving both plains and mountains in the hands of the greeks these brave insurgents gained still another great success in this memorable campaign they carried the important fortress of napoli di romania by escalade december twelfth under colocotronus with ten thousand men and the garrison weakened by famine capitulated four hundred pieces of cannon with large stores of ammunition were the reward of the victors this conquest was the more remarkable since a large turkish fleet was sent to the relief of the fortress but fearing the fireships of the greeks the turkish admiral sailed away without doing anything and cast anchor in the bay of tenedos here he was attacked by the greek fireships commanded by canaris and his fleet were obliged to cut their cables and sail back to the dardanelles with the loss of their largest ships the conqueror was crowned with laurel at ipsara by his grateful countrymen and the campaign of eighteen twenty two closed leaving the greeks masters of the sea and of nearly the whole of their territory 
this campaign considering the inequality of forces is regarded by allison as one of the most glorious in the annals of war a population of seven hundred thousand souls had confronted and beaten the splendid strength of the ottoman empire with twenty-five millions of mussulmans they had destroyed four-fifths of an army of fifty thousand men and had made themselves masters of their principal strongholds twice had they driven the turkish fleets from the aegean sea with the loss of their finest ships but greece during the two years warfare had lost two hundred thousand inhabitants not slain in battle but massacred and killed by various inhumanities it was clear that the country could not much longer bear such a strain unless the great powers of europe came to its relief but no relief came canning who ruled england sympathized with the greeks but would not depart from his policy of non-intervention fearing to embroil all europe in war it was the same with louis the eighteenth who feared the stability of his throne and dared not offend austria who looked on the contest with indifference as a rebellious insurrection prussia took the same ground and even russia stood aloof unprepared for war with the turks which would have immediately resulted if the czar had rendered assistance to the greeks never was a nation in greater danger of annihilation in spite of its glorious resistance then was greece at that time for what could the remaining five hundred thousand people do against twenty-five millions inspired with fanatical hatred but to sell their lives as dearly as they might the contest was like that of the maccabees against the overwhelming armies of syria as was to be expected the disgraceful defeat of his fleets and armies filled the sultan with rage and renewed resolution the whole power of his empire was now called out to suppress the rebellion he had long meditated the destruction of that famous military corps in the turkish service known as the janizaries who were not turks but recruited from the youth of the greeks and other subject races captured in war they had become mussulmans and were superb fighters but their insults and insolence endangered by their traditional pride and the prestige of the corps and the favor shown them by successive sultans filled mahmoud with wrath the sultan disassembled his resentment however in order to bring all the soldiers he could command to the utter destruction of his rebellious subjects he deposed his grand vizier and sent orders to all the pashas in his dominions for a general levy of all mussulmans between fifteen and fifty to assemble in thessaly in may eighteen twenty three he also made the utmost efforts to repair the disasters of his fleet the greeks too made corresponding exertions to maintain their armies though weakened they were not despondent their successes had filled them with new hopes and energies their independence seemed to them to be established they even began to despise their foes but as soon as success seemed to have crowned their efforts they were subject to a new danger there were divisions strifes and jealousies between the chieftains unity so essential in war was seriously jeoparded had they remained united and buried their resentments and jealousies in the cause of patriotism their independence possibly might have been acknowledged but in the absence of a central power the various generals wished to fight on their own account like guerrilla chiefs they would not even submit to the national assembly the leaders were so full of discords and personal ambition that they would not unite on anything mavrocordatos and ypsilanti were not on speaking terms one is naturally astonished at such suicidal courses but he forgets what a powerful passion jealousy is in the human soul it was not absent from our own war of independence in which at one time rival generals would have supplanted if possible even washington himself indeed it is present everywhere not in war alone but among all influential and ambitious people women of society legislators artists physicians singers actors even clergymen authors and professors in colleges 
this unfortunate passion can be kept down only by the overpowering dominancy of transcendent ability which everybody must concede when envy is turned into admiration as in the case of napoleon there was no one chieftain among the greeks who called out universal homage any more than there was in the camp of agamemnon before the walls of troy there were men of ability and patriotism and virtue but as already noted no one of them was great enough to exact universal and willing obedience and this fact was well understood in all the cabinets of europe as well as in the camps of their enemies the disunions and dissensions of the rival greek generals were of more advantage to the turks than a force of fifty thousand men these jealous chieftains however had reason to be startled in the spring of eighteen twenty three when they heard that eighty thousand mussulmans were to be sent to attack the isthmus of corinth that forty thousand more were to undertake the siege of missolonghi that fifty thousand in addition were to cooperate in thessaly and attica while a grand fleet of one hundred and twenty sail was to sweep the aegean and reduce the revolted islands it was however the very magnitude of the hostile forces which saved the greeks from impending ruin for these forces had to be fed in dried-up and devastated plains under scorching suns in the defiles of mountains where artillery was of no use and where hardy mountaineers behind rocks and precipices could fire upon them unseen and without danger there was more loss from famine and pestilence than from foes a lesson repeatedly taught for three thousand years but one which governments have ever been slow to learn alexander the great had learned it when he invaded persia with a small army of veterans rather than with a mob of undisciplined allies huge armies are not to be relied on except when they form a vast mechanism directed by a master hand when they are sure of their supplies and when they operate in a wholesome country with nothing to fear from malaria or inclemency of weather then they can crush all before them like some terrible and irresistible machine but only then this the old crusaders learned to their cost as well as the invading armies of napoleon amid the snows of russia and even the disciplined troops of france and england when they marched to the siege of sebastopol hence in spite of the division of the greeks which paralyzed their best efforts the turkish armies affected but little great as were their number in the campaign of eighteen twenty three the intrepid marco bazarus with only five thousand men kept the turks at bay in epirus and chased a large body of albanians to the sea while odysseus defended the pass of thermopylae and prevented the advance of the turks into southern greece the grand army destined for the invasion of the morea gradually melted away in attacking fortresses and under the desultory actions of guerrilla bands amidst rocks and thickets bozaris surprised a turkish army near missolonghi by a nocturnal attack and although he himself bravely perished the attack was successful the Turks, in renewed numbers, however, advanced to the siege of Missolonghi, but they were again repulsed with great slaughter. The naval campaign from which so much was expected by the Sultan also proved a failure. As usual, the Greeks resorted to their fireships, not being able openly to contend with superior forces, and drove the fleet back again to the Dardanelles. When the sea was clear, they were able to reinforce Missolonghi with three thousand men and a large supply of provisions, for it was foreseen that the siege would be renewed. It was at this time, when the Greek cause was imperiled by the dissensions of the leading chieftains, when Greece indeed was threatened by civil war, in addition to its contest with the Turks, when the whole country was impoverished and devastated, when the population was melting away and no revenue could be raised to pay the half-starved and half-naked troops, that Lord Byron arrived at Missolonghi to share his fortune with the defenders of an uncertain cause. 
like most scholars and poets he had a sentimental attachment for the classic land the teacher of the ancient world and in common with his countrymen he admired the noble struggles and sacrifices worthy of ancient heroes which the greeks though divided and demoralized had put forth to recover their liberties his money contributions were valuable but it was his moral support which accomplished the most for grecian independence though unpopular and maligned at this time in england for his immoralities and haughty disdain he was still the greatest poet of his age a peer and a man of transcendent genius of whom any country would be proud that such a man embittered and in broken health should throw his whole soul into the contest with a disinterestedness which never was questioned shows not only that he had many noble traits but that his example would have great weight with enlightened nations and open their eyes to the necessity of rallying to the cause of liberty the faults of the greeks were many but these faults were such as would naturally be produced by four hundred years of oppression and scorn of craft treachery and insensibility to suffering as for their jealousies and quarrels when was there ever a time even in periods of their highest glory when these were not their national characteristics End of section 17